all season long, you've been laughed at, cracked on. Now you got a chance to spit it back in their faces. You're out there like a bunch of dead fish, not listening, bonehead plays. Mistakes. You want to quit, Tanner? God, no, I want to play ball. You're a damn good bunch. You probably deserved a lot better than me. It looks like we're stuck with each other. That great arm. Who is that kid? That dude is a bad mother. Es un bandido. If the guy can play ball, he can play ball. I mean, let's get him on a team. Any ball you get near, go for it. Hey, Boilermaker. Got my curb breaking two and a half feet. Get back to the stands before I shave off half your mustache and shove it up your left nostril. We got a game with the Athletics next Wednesday, and that means only one thing. Bad news for the Athletics. The Bad News Bear starts right now. Okay, welcome back to the Couch Potato Podcast. Uh, I'm Russ, as usual. Be weird if I wasn't hosting this. Uh, with me, as always, is Lucas. Lucas, what's going on, my friend? Not much. Uh, most people aren't going to know this, but this is take two. Yeah. We had some uh, issues. Yeah, we uh, got through most of our episode recording, and then uh, the card that we record on took a dump. So we're back at it again. So um, long and uh, short of it, keep this short and sweet. Uh, we're doing the Bad News Bears from 1976 awesome baseball movie um and we brought along a special guest with us um this guy is probably the only person that i know that loves this movie more than i do so jason how are you doing my friend welcome aboard and uh what makes this movie so awesome well thanks for having me guys um the authenticity of this movie is what makes this the best part about this movie um yeah, you know, growing up playing little league baseball, who didn't have the alcoholic, grumpy old man as a coach? Mm-hmm. Um, who didn't have the right fielder that would pick up a ball, go to throw it to the infield that lands five feet behind him? And who didn't have a Tanner Boyle on their team, the guy that was ready to fight at the drop of a hat? And <laughs> I think that's what makes this movie. Um, so good is just the authentic nature of it. Um, it's it's the best kids baseball movie there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably agree with that. And also another thing that uh, I think it's kind of lost in this too is it teaches kids it's okay to lose. Um, yeah. Just yeah, you don't really see that it's like kids movies anymore. It's like we know they're gonna win, so like. We're just going to show you, like, they're going to struggle. They're going to be bad. And I think this is actually the template for future sports movies, period, involving kids. It seems like it's a ragtag group of kids. You know that they're not going to be any good. And then something's going to happen where either the coach gets his shit together and then they start playing as a team, or they're going to have that one kid that kind of brings it all together. But I think just teaching kids, like, it's okay to lose, like, that's, that's a message that I think we need more of in kids movies nowadays um lucas like 
what's the appeal of this movie to you? Uh, same thing, the authenticity. Um, and then, you know, like you said, just you get, when you're when you were growing up playing baseball um, or whatever sport you were playing in, you know, not everybody was a superstar. Not everybody was perfect. Um, as Jason said, there was always one person that was ready to fight everybody. Um, and it just, you know, it, the authenticity of that just is the appeal for me as well. Yeah. Um, when did you guys get introduced to this movie? Cause this movie's pretty old. It's 1976. This is the oldest movie we've done on this show so far. So that means no one's going to listen to it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like what was your introduction to this, Jason? Like, was it cable? Was it uh, VHS, yeah. DVD? Um, it, HBO. Um, 1986. HBO it was something that ran pretty much all summer long. When you said 1986, I was expecting. Yes, it was May 14th, 1986. It was a clear, sunny day. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, my, my parents would probably tell you I, I never forget anything. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I was six years old, and my parents taped it on HBO, VHS tape. Did uh, you guys and, do, like, the extra long speed so you can fit three movies on the one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you could just do, like, the triple feature <laughs> on one cassette tape? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, you have the uh, Bad News Bears, the Goonies, and Stand By Me all on one tape. So. I know at my house there's always something random like that. It would be like the Bad News Bears, uh, Gettysburg. No, you couldn't fit Gettysburg, but like Glory and then like Basic Instinct would be like one cassette tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, okay, just for, make sure that, if, you know, little Johnny's borrowing this. Like you rewind it to the beginning because the movies that are on after are not so appropriate. Yeah, don't go past the two-hour mark, Kitty. <laughs> right. It, it'd be this and like Die Hard and Captain Ron. They, we can't shit on Captain Ron. We'll die on that that hill, won't we, Lucas? Yeah, yeah, we will. But, uh, but yeah, uh, you said uh, HBO. Yeah, yeah. It seemed to be like uh, like the classic movies of the seventies and the eighties seemed to be like once HBO kind of took off, it's like you would always catch the same four or five movies in a rotation. And I know, like, maybe one summer you would get, like, a rotation of, in the afternoon, the Bad News Bears, the Karate Kid, the Goonies, and then, like, I don't know, like, Ghostbusters or something. Yeah. Lucas, what was your introduction to the Bad News Bears? Uh, it was VHS tape for me. Um, and, and I think the movies I named were probably legitimately what was on that VHS tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like... Lucas, make you know, sure you don't get that down to around that four-hour, 30-minute mark. There's a movie in there for Dad called Summer Heat. That's strictly <laughs> for Mom and Dad. Um, it, my dad would record, like, pretty much any movie that he could find on HBO. So, mm -hmm. you know, that that's how I ended up uh, finding this movie. We had a whole – my mom had a specialized wooden cabinet that was, like, seven feet tall with like eight shelves in it full of fucking VHSs. Every time she moved is the worst nightmare of all time. I can't even begin to imagine trying to find something in that. Cause I had friends that recorded like that too. And just like, Hey, you mind if I borrow uh like die hard too? Like, yeah, sure. Uh, 
get I'll get back to you tomorrow. I've got to find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Jason, like I was the same way. Like I I think we had HBO and Showtime, so it had to be on cable was my first introduction to it as well. Yeah. Um so like uh baseball movies. I know you this is one of your favorites, Jason. Like uh where would you rank the Bad News Bears? Not in terms of kids' baseball movies, because that seems to be a genre all upon itself, because you got like the Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, Little Big League, bunch of shit. But just in terms of baseball movies in general, where would you rank the Bad News Bears? Would it be on like your Mount Rushmore or? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, number one for me is always going to be Major League, but then it's the Bad News Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Major League was that movie you'd sneak and watch without your parents and then you'd go to the ball you'd go to you know play with your friends and you'd say some of the stuff from the movies and everyone would laugh and yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah I mean the bad news bears um, a lot of you you would go to the park and be like oh I'm Kelly Leak uh, yeah I'd always get stuck with Engelberg I don't know why but uh <laughs> You know, um, yeah, it, it's number two for me. Um, just one of the best baseball flicks ever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what else would be on your Mount Rushmore, just out of curiosity? Uh, Field of Dreams would be number three. And if I had a fourth pick, um, I would probably do The Rookie. Um, I really enjoy that. As a movie. matter of fact, you and I went and seen at the movie theater. Yeah. I think yeah. we both got a little – I think our allergies were acting up that day when he gets called up finally. Yeah. <laughs> that well, movie I theater, like, had was... a lot of pollen in it. Yeah, he got the uh, call, and he's in the bullpen, and he sees his wife for the first time in, like, eight weeks. Like, uh, yeah. Um, Damn I'm pollen? <laughs> Lucas, what about you? Uh, it would be on my Mount Rushmore. Um I would say probably Major League, Field of Dreams, Rookie of the Year, Bad News Bears. Okay. Yeah, it it would make mine too. Uh, I Major League, I think arguably is the best. Like most people are going to say the best baseball movie of all time is probably going to be Field of Dreams. I think it's probably the best film if you're judging it on a film criteria. But in terms of like a movie, Major League's my – my number one. It's the reason I'm an Indians slash Guardians fan. Um, it's yeah, it's that's the reason why I root for the Cleveland baseball team. Um, uh, this is a delayed thought, but I was just thinking about this when you were talking about your sneak movie. My sneak movie was Species. Damn, like that really shows how old I am because I seen <laughs> Species in a movie theater. Our cinema didn't Sorry, give I had, shit. Like, I had to throw that in. Yeah, there. our cinema is like, you know what? Fuck it. Alien, nude alien fuck it let them kids in there um yeah then i've got uh bull durham is another good one costner is like the king of the baseball movie so um yeah it'd be bad news bears is on there too uh major league bull durham and then i don't know like i really like the natural although i haven't seen it in a long time there is a movie that hbo put out it was about the home run chase between Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle called 61. Billy Crystal did that. And that movie is fucking amazing. Really good. So I, that would be 
would get strong consideration. But I think it would go Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, Bad News Bears, Major League. And I may switch out Bad News Bears for the Sandlot. I think I like the Sandlot a little better. Well, fuck, Lucas. Why'd you even do this episode then? <laughs> Why am I even here? Yeah, we should. Jason and I should have done this. You don't even like the movie we're doing. <laughs> All right. Uh, to give you guys a real quick uh, tale of the tape, uh, this movie was released on April the 7th, 1976. This stars Walter Matthau, Tatum O'Neill, Jackie Earl Haley, and Vic Morrow. Directed by Michael Ritchie. The Rotten Tomatoes score for this one is 97% from critics and 80% from audiences. Box office was $42.3 million on a $9 million budget. And once again, Paramount Plus is shitting the bed. This is not currently streaming on Paramount Plus. Although, on the first take, you guys told me that this is on Pluto for free, so you can watch it on Pluto, as long as you don't mind commercials. And the commercials are kind of long. I think this movie is like an hour and a half-ish long. It I think it's like, like an hour and 42 minutes. Yeah, it was it was way over two hours it took me to watch it. Well, didn't you say like they put that rotisserie infomercial in there at some point? So it's actually like you're watching like Dances with Wolves on television. It's like they'll cut like the scene where the Bad News Bears get their shit together. It's like, okay, now you get to find out about this rotisserie chicken cooker for an hour, and then we'll go back to the movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, with that, we'll get into the research corner. Um, I just got a couple little tidbits. There isn't anything really like super like gossipy or like the last few episodes we've had like a little bit of behind the scenes turmoil. Nothing like that here. Um, Walter Matthau was paid $750,000 for this movie and Tatum O'Neill was paid $350,000 plus a portion of the profits for the movie. Of course, I don't know if you guys were aware, she had just won an Oscar a couple of years ago for Paper Moon. So she was a pretty in-demand young actress. So that kind of makes sense. Um, Warren Beatty and Steve McQueen were offered the role of Morris Buttermaker but turned it down due to being committed to other projects. Walter Matthau was the third choice for this. And the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jodie Foster was cast as Amanda but ended up dropping out to play Iris in Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Now, Lucas, you said you hadn't seen Taxi Driver, right? Correct. I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, if you ever want to feel better about your situation, just go watch Taxi Driver. <laughs> Fair enough. You, you'll feel much better about yourself after you've watched that. You need to follow that movie up with, like, Captain Ron. <laughs> Perfect. Tatum O'Neill trained with a sports trainer for several weeks to perfect her wind-up and delivery. And even though a double did some of her scenes, or pitching in the scenes, she did most of her pitching herself. Pretty impressive. Uh, the iconic poster for this movie was drawn by Jack Davis, who was also one of the original illustrators for Mad Magazine. And it kind of has that vibe to it, too, when you look at it. And yeah, then... The last one I have, um, this movie spawned two sequels, The Bad News Bears and Breaking Training, and then The Bad News Bears in Japan. Uh, there was also a television show that CBS produced that ran for 26 episodes and starred Jack Warden as Morris Buttermaker and featured a very young Corey Feldman. So that show ran a long time ago, I'm assuming? 
Oh yeah, I think it was in like the early eighties. Uh, it had to have been. I mean, I can't yeah. see. Them. I mean, well, the yeah, Bad News Bears still had like kind of a a name to it. I didn't that, bother with it. Like seventy nine. Oh, is that when it came out? Yeah, it, they had two seasons. They actually showed it on Nickelodeon in the afternoons in the late 80s. They did? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, I had never yeah, heard they, of it. Yeah, that's... I mean, I thought it was weird. You turned on Nickelodeon in the afternoon and the Bad News Bears was on. And I thought it was the movie. And now it's it's the the sitcom that I had no clue anything about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they would show it on Nickelodeon in the afternoons. Jason coming in here dropping the hot knowledge. Yeah, I was like, boom. Show you amateurs how it's done. Um, do uh, What do you guys got for the research corner that I didn't touch on yet? Lucas, what do you got? Um, so the second half of the, the movie was actually changed. Um, and I tried to figure out what the change was. And I couldn't find it. This was a uh, this was a producer doing an interview saying that the second half of the movie was changed. Hmm. Um, Aaron Blunt, who played Abdul Ahmad Abdul Rahim, sorry, um, at the time hated baseball. He was the only kid uh, at the audition that wasn't wearing a baseball jersey, and there was apparently like ten thousand kids auditioning. Um, the director saw him and came up to him. Uh, asked him what his name was and said, you act like you don't want to be here. Uh, he said, I don't. I hate baseball. And he said, good. I'm the director and you just got the part. <laughs> That's awesome. That's how I want to get a job. Like, yeah, I do I too. Fucking, I fucking hate it here. You're hired. Yeah, pull cool. the reverse Peter from Office Space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they shot two movies for the, or two scenes for the end of the movie. Uh, the Bears winning and losing. Um, and when they played it for test audiences, they hated the Bears winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my final one was when the team picture is taken at the uh, beginning of the game um, or beginning of the the season. Uh, Amanda and Kelly weren't even on the team, but during the credits at the end, they're in the picture. Hmm. So that's a little bit of a goof. I would say that's a very interesting fact that I didn't know, but since we recorded this earlier and my card got fucked up, I kind of already knew that. Well, you did say it was an interesting fact. It was very interesting, and I never, I never caught that. And I also didn't know that they had shot two endings for this either. Which, the test audiences are usually on the money with that. Like usually, when a test audience hates something and they go and redo it, it's usually it's for the better. So, oh, one more thing I read. Um, I didn't say this in the first recording, but the um, there's a scene where um, Kelly hits a home run. And the team's like celebrating around him. Mm-hmm. If you look closely, apparently the Yankees like catcher is in there, or a Yankees player is in there, and that's recycled footage from the second inning where they win. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they do that all the time. It seems like that's what I read. I I didn't catch that myself, but mm-hmm. that's what I read. Okay, Jason, what do you got for us? All right, I have a couple of pieces of information here. Little golden um, nuggets. Yeah, so Sarah Jessica Parker also tried out for a bit of the role of Amanda, which, you know, during the first take, we found out she would have been 11 years old at the time, which meant she would have fit right in with mm-hmm. the group of, of 
kids. And then my favorite piece, two of my favorite characters are Jose and Miguel, two brothers that don't speak any English in the movie. However, they tried out for their roles. They didn't speak any Spanish. So (laughs) they had to learn Spanish for their parts, even though I know Miguel doesn't say a word. But I just think that's kind of funny that you're looking for two kids who speak Spanish and you get two Mexican children who can't speak any Spanish. They only speak English. Yeah, I I think uh, I'll recycle the joke again, but that makes the scene where Buttermaker's giving out the cups a little bit more funny because uh, Ogilvy says, like, I've been rushing up on my Spanish, and I believe he says that he can't wear that due to his religious beliefs because he's Catholic. (laughs) (laughs) so good stuff guys um that leads us into the i drink your milkshake award for the best scene of the movie i drink your milkshake i drink it up which is in uh honor of the daniel day lewis iconic scene from there will be blood so in case anybody didn't know that i've had a Somebody asked me what that award exactly is. It's like, oh, you've never seen. There will be blood. Okay. Um, I have the first practice. I always thought that scene was kind of funny. It's kind of the introduction to the team and to Buttermaker. You find out that Whitewood sued the league to get the the Bears into the league, and then he's paying Buttermaker to coach them. So that's the kind of gig I want. Um, Then you also get, like, just how bad they are. You get – you just get the stuff with the chocolate bar where uh, I'm drawing a complete blank now on the kid's name. Engelberg. Engelberg. Yeah. Long night. Yeah, where Engelberg's eating the candy bar. He's got it all over the baseball. That's just a, a really funny scene. It's just kind of a really cool way to get, you know, find out who the team is. Um, I have the opening day scene where the Bears just get destroyed by the Yankees. It's where we get to meet Roy Turner for the first time. Uh, then there's that really funny scene where uh, Ahmad quits and he gets talked out of it by Buttermaker. And it just kind of shows you how good of a coach Buttermaker can be. He mm-hmm. kind of builds him up. Yeah. And then we also get to see <laughs> Kelly Lee get arrested for just yeah. taking the dirt bike through the field. Uh, I also have for the third scene, I have the montage, which, Jason, you said you've listened to us before, so you know how much I love a montage. You start to see the, takes a mountain. You get to see the team coming together, start winning. They play as a team to the uh, Bizet's Carmen, which is the uh, Jerry Fielding interpretation of that song, which I didn't know was an opera till uh, three hours ago. Yeah, we should have talked to producer Adam about it. Yeah. Well, next time maybe we'll do like an add-on, like, uh, I don't know, bonus coverage where Adam just talks about the score. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, that scene ends with uh, Ahmad taking the shot to the groin. And then uh, I broke up the best scene of the movie into two separate scenes. Um, I have the brawl in the championship game when Amanda gets spiked by the kid from the Yankees, and then basically Tanner just like, you know what, we're not f- doing this, and Tanner goes up and kicks that kid in the dick, and then that brawl ensues, <laughs> which I'd never seen that. Uh, dick. That's like I'd never seen like kids fighting in a movie before at a baseball game. That was kind of cool. And then uh, I also had the celebration after the game 
Uh, the Bears lose, but they won because they essentially made it to the championship game. Nobody thought they were even going to make it that far. And uh, bonus points for the kids celebrating with actual beer. I don't know how lax it was in the 70s, but apparently it's okay for kids to drink beer. There's like three or four parents like in the dugout just like watching these kids drink it. And then they're out there dousing each other with it like uh, you would see in a major league clubhouse. So those are my five. So, uh, Jason, what do you have? Uh, well, for me, it's the team bonding. They're all piled into Buttermaker's Cadillac and piled in. They're sitting on the trunk of the car while it's in motion. Well, did you uh, notice did... that like later in the movie there is no trunk? <laughs> it's Such just a... fucking wide open. That is a it's classic a movie shitbox. That's right up there with Uncle Buck's car. Oh, yeah. Watch for the backfire. <laughs> um, the, you know, the the back and forth between Butterbaker and Engelberg on the way to the batting cage. He pulls out the, the bottle of liquor, tells him, you know, it's illegal to have open container in the car. Mm. Buttermaker, it's all murder is also illegal. Put that back before you get me in real trouble. That's that's one of the best. Uh, the kids cleaning the pool for Buttermaker. Um, and then for me, the, the dugout scene where the entire team wants to quit. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you kind of get the back and forth with Buttermaker and Tanner, which is probably one of my, my favorite scenes in the movie. And then the other ones that you mentioned as well. And even the uh, ballet scene with Amanda, where the team kind of busts in, Ogilvy's right in her face. The White Sox beat the A's, and Engelberg's got a bucket of KFC chicken back there. <laughs> Kelly Leaks uh, cornered some some grown woman trying to to hit on her. So, yeah, those are my favorite. Yeah, those are good ones too. Lucas, what do you have? Uh, I just have one more additional to add on to that. Um, when um, Amanda and um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank too, and Buttermaker are arguing about her coming back to pitching, mm -hmm. about his uh, you know contribution to her childhood, and she shoots him down every time about how he's just a piece of shit like stepdad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then he comes with the, you know, he tells her that he saved her when she, her appendix burst. And she, she gets pissed, like, whatever. Yeah. I think that's a really good scene because I think um, really those are the only two real, well, I guess, yeah, I mean, there were only two real actors in this movie at that point. So them interacting, I think it was a really good scene together. Hey, don't be hating on Joyce Van Patten. She organized a dinner at Pizza Hut. That's true. May come back later on in this show. No anchovies. Yeah. Uh, so what wins the best scene in the movie for you guys? If I'm honest, I don't even remember what we picked the first time. Well, the, uh, we, the championship game. we combined yeah. it as the championship game. Which I still agree with now yeah. that you guys mentioned it. Yeah. I don't know. It just like uh, this is the scene of the movie if I catch it on TV. Like, it doesn't matter if uh, I've got a dentist appointment. Like, I'm just going to be late because I want to see how this f unfolds, even though I know how it's going to end. Yeah. 
Um, just in between all that, too, you kind of get to see Buttermaker change. Like, he kind of becomes Roy Turner in this game. Like, he's just doing whatever he can to win. Even it kind of foreshadows it before with the, to get the game to get into the title game. But then, like, he's really, like, trying to be, like, it's all about winning. And then after, like, essentially when Roy Turner hits his kid on the mound is when he kind of shakes out of it and is like, you know what, this isn't worth it. And he puts like, all the, the other kids in the game that weren't playing. and I don't know if it's just me, but if I saw that, if I saw somebody, like, backhand their kid, I'm probably going to rush the mound. I don't know about you guys, but that would bother me just a little bit. Now that you say that, uh, I don't know how many of our listeners have seen a picture of Lucas before, but he looks like Randy Marsh a little bit from South Park. And there's a classic <laughs> South Park episode where he look, uh, where Randy Marsh bat, did, Dad, I hear no bell. basically gets into brawls at his kids' baseball games. And I just picture, <laughs> I just pictured that when you said that. Oh, I mean, you perfect. gotta think this is 1976. When you go out there and you backhand your kid, a lot of people are probably just I'm gonna turn around here. Yeah, they just kind of yeah, they just kind of turn and look the other way. Like yeah, like when that happens, like no no one really reacts to it. Yeah, They're just like oh, I, I that kid like he he deserved it or you know this is the, yeah. the kind of the attitude that gave off. I was like no, he, that's not appropriate in 1976 or 2021. It shit doesn't fly. But yeah, right. Like I said, I didn't grow up in the 70s, so I don't know whether that stuff was a little bit lax back then. So I wasn't even born in the 70s. Yeah, I know, Lucas. You've made that a point in the, the original cut that didn't record. <laughs> Just had to remind you. All right, so are we going with the, the championship game as a whole as the winner of this scene? Or, Lucas, do you have a, a counter-argument for that? Nope. I think, uh, I think that nails it on the head. Um it, it, you know, we don't want to necessarily say a scene at the very end of a movie is the best scene, but it really is. Yeah, it like I said though, yeah, like that's the scene that like if it's on TV, I'm stopping and watching it for sure. Like I might watch like five minutes like early on, but like that championship game, like nope, I'm I'm glued. See, Jason, look, you're a good luck charm. We're agreeing on everything so far. All right, now this takes us to the King Kong and Got Shit on Me Award for the best line of the movie. King Kong ain't got shit on me! Which is in honor of our favorite actor, Denzel Washington. Um, My guy. I've got, uh, hey, Yankees, you can take your apology and your trophy and shove them straight up your ass. And he throws it at him. Yep. I think that just that's the icing on the cake when he just launches that real piddly piece of shit second-place trophy at him. <laughs> um. <laughs> Now get back to the stands before I shave off half your mustache and shove it up your left nostril. Probably one of the greatest movie threats of all time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, you should put that in your bag of uh, threats when you're like a referee. <laughs> just if a Locked and loaded. If a parent gets out of line, just throw it at them. Um, that dude's well, I'm going to throw that at, at somebody's mom, actually. Okay, that yeah, you, that, that'll work, too. I'm sure you've come across one or two. Oh, yeah. That dude's a bad mother. You talk about a loan shark. I borrowed a nickel from him last week. He said if I didn't give him a dime by Friday, he'd break my arm. That's a good one, too. <laughs> Which, uh, 
ESPN actually reenacted a lot of that for some kind of uh, anniversary they were doing where they were taking like classic baseball movies and they were taking the members of the Baseball Tonight staff and putting them in there. And that one's always stood out as my favorite because Harold Reynolds plays Ahmad. Um, you're not supposed to have open liquor in the car. It's against the law. And then uh, my last one is the uh, when Engelberg and Buttermaker are talking about Tanner fighting the seventh grade. The entire seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you got, Jason? Um, right at the beginning of the movie, when Engelberg busts out the window in the Cadillac, and he's got the boys out in the, by the car, kind of talking down to him like they don't know about how to play baseball. And he gets to the end of his speech and he says, I really think someone should pay for this windshield. That's going to be your father, Hingleberg. And it's probably the best delivery. He just looked at him straight face and said, bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) You don't expect the 11, 12 year old kid to tell a 50 year old man bullshit. But yeah, that was a good one. Um, after they lose the first game and Ahmad strips down, he goes over, he runs up in the tree and Buttermaker goes over, climbs up, tells him, gives him the Hank Aaron speech and Ahmad looks saying, don't give me your honky bullshit, Buttermaker, <laughs> I knew those were easy. And then the only time that, you know, we, we know the infamous line that Tanner dropped in the movie, but yeah. the only time they ever, anyone ever says about anything about race but her maker comes back don't bring race into this we got other, we got bigger problems yeah <laughs> <laughs> um that one was a good one uh when kelly's stealing all the the pop flies from the other kids he takes one from tanner and they run they're running off the field and one of the kids from the other team runs by tanner and says does he go to the bathroom for you too and this sets Tanner off. He tackles the kid in right field, <laughs> ready to start a fight. Uh, yeah, the the ones you mentioned, the uh, the Ahmad Kelly Leak story, um, the Kelly Leak in the ballet class with the girl. Mm-hmm. That one's classic. I mean, that girl doesn't know what to do. I mean, it's a full girl. I mean, a woman. You got a twelve-year-old kid hitting eight forty-one. For the Bears, you live around here. That's a pretty impressive batting average, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even at that really age, that's exactly. fucking impressive. Um, yeah, I love the uh, and to to kind of piggyback off your um, Engelberg Tanner fighting the seventh grade. Probably my favorite line in the entire movie is Buttermaker asked Tanner, "Do you want to quit?" No, I want to play ball. And that's that. Uh, he's the heart of that team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those are those are probably my favorite. Plus, we need to bring back the word crud as a swear word. <laughs> Lucas, what do you have? Um, I think we touched on it earlier, but when uh, when they're helping uh, Buttermaker clean the pools, Engelberg asks, uh, when we're through, can we go swimming? <laughs> And Buttermaker says, no, don't jump in, Engelberg. You'll flood the valley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fucked up and hilarious. Um, when uh, when a mod gets hit in the nuts, 
Cleveland stretcher, a stretcher for his balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, then there was, uh, see, pull up my notes here. Um, when uh, they're at the batting practice, uh, Buttermaker looks at Ahmad. He says, "Hey Ahmad, even Hank Aaron peels the old eyelids before he takes a swing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, <laughs> was that was good too. Funny. Actually, uh, that when I said when my my son started playing baseball for the first time and he was at the batting cages, I told I used that line too. Not exactly like that, but something similar. Nice. Um, so, what wins it for you guys? Gosh, that's tough. Mm. Yeah, that one's tough. Um, for me, I think it's got to be Kelly Leak's a bad mother. Yeah, that's the one I was going to go with simply because like it's iconic enough to where ESPN referenced it later. And this is when ESPN used to really have like their finger on the pulse of pop culture. Not so much anymore, but at a time where they, they were always putting out real funny commercials and like the fact that. Uh, when they were doing, because uh, I think this was still around the time of the this is Sports Center stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I would give it to that because that's like the whole baseball tonight stuff. That's the the one that always sticks out to me the most. So that'd be my um, winner. I was gonna say uh, what uh, Jason just said. Crud, no, I want to play ball. That's a good one too. Just because you know, like you say, he's the heart of the team. And he's usually, you know, a firecracker and real pissed off and cussing all the time. And at that point, he's just, you know, he's just a kid that wants to play ball. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to quit. He just wants to go out there and play. Right. Win or lose. Yeah. I'd be okay giving it to that one, too. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah, just because, like, I, like, he says in that scene that, like, quitting once you start, it's a bad habit to break. And the fact that yeah. they don't really want to. Like that's kind of a nice message to give the kids. Like I, yeah, I surely don't want my son to quit once he started something too. So yeah, we'll give it to that one. Harumph, harumph, huzzah! All right, that takes us now, which kind of appropriate considering we're doing a baseball movie. The Lou Brown give him the heater award for the best performance by a bit player. Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. Um. I have uh, Aaron Blunt as a mod. I think he's got some really good lines in this. Plus, like, he ends up, as the movie go- goes on, he ends up being, like, one of the better players on the team. Um, he flips down them shades. Yeah. The uh, Gary Lee Cavagrano. See, I have something in each episode where I end up fucking somebody's name up. It's not intentional. I just sometimes just can't pronounce a name for some reason. Uh, as Engelberg. He has some really good lines in the movie, too. He's, like, one of the standout characters amongst the kids. And then plus, like, the rivalry he has with Joey Turner. Like, they're at in the championship game. He's basically flipping him off, and they're just talking shit back and forth to one another. I did find it weird, though, that he never came back for two and three. They recast him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then uh, my last candidate is Joyce Van Patten as Cleveland. Um, only for the line where she bitches about like when uh, Whitewood sues the league and she says something about, yeah, we had to let girls in, but at least they could play. And then I don't know how this worked in the 70s. I didn't know Pizza Hut was that fancy where people wearing like dresses (laughs) 
in suits to a Pizza Hut, but the fact she organized the league banquet at the Pizza Hut, she gets bonus points for that. And then she had the whole baseball diamond on a pizza. Yeah. She went didn't above put and beyond. Because people don't like this. That's right. Um, do you guys have anybody you want to add to this? Um, yeah, I'd like to uh, put um, Vic Morrow as Roy Turner. See, I, I thought about putting him in there, but is, isn't he in the movie a little too much? I don't know. Like, towards the end, yes. And then he pops up, you know, every once in a while in between there. But for the most part, I didn't feel like he was in the movie that much. See, we have to establish, like, a criteria for how much, like, you have to be in the movie to be in this. I guess we made a, an, ex, uh, an exception for Gary Sinise last week. So, yeah, we can make an exception for Vic Morrow. Is that Jason, your... you got somebody? Ogilvy. Oh, yeah, I mean, Brainiac. Had, yeah, he had a couple of really good lines. I mean, when they, when they got Amanda and they lost the first game and Buttermaker's in the dugout giving them the Rome wasn't built in a, in a day, yeah, it took several hundred years. I mean, that's what you expect the nerdy guy. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he played that part perfectly. And, I mean, even in the remakes, I mean, in the, the sequels, I mean, he was just the nerdy guy. He, he didn't care about playing. He just, he wanted the stats. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, I would say him, and I would say Engelberg, just, he had some really funny one-liners that I don't think could be topped. I wonder if Ogilvy's made, like, a shitload of cash in fantasy baseball. <laughs> <laughs> like I bet he just runs shit on DraftKings. <laughs> well, didn't they say? I think he went to like Stanford. Like he quit acting and has like a science, like a some kind of science degree from Stanford or something like that. I did find that out about him. Mm. But don't they go yeah, into that, that more? At, um, Breaking training is the one with with uh, William Devane as Kelly Leak's dad, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, that's the third one. That's the second one. Oh, is it the second yeah. one? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. The, they get the Tony Curtis for the third the, one. Oh, the Japan one? Yeah, that one sucks. Oh, that one's I terrible. at least, I'll watch Breaking Training, but yeah, the Japan one's fucking awful. Yeah. Actually, the remake's better than the Japan one. <laughs> yeah, the um, Japan one's bad. Uh, Lucas, uh... I, since we're making an exception for him, I'm going to agree with you and go with Roy Turner, since we're like, because yeah. he's actually a really good villain in this. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that he hits and, his kid, it's like, yeah, okay. you, you hit your kid, you're the ultimate villain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus, he's fucking smug. Just yeah, not a good combination. Uh, this is not a fun fact, but uh, the actor that plays him, Vic Morrow. Unfortunately, passed away. I think it was in 1986. He got killed on the set of the Twilight Zone movie. Got his head cut off uh, during a helicopter sequence gone bad. Yeah. Uh, like, fuck, like, that's a crazy way to go. You know, though, if I guess if you're going to go, it might as well be a badass way of, like, getting hit by a fucking helicopter. No, I don't want to go out like that. That does not sound badass <laughs> at all. To get my head cut off, no. It's a story nope. to tell around the campfire. Well, you wouldn't oh, be yeah, telling the story because you're dead. Fucking, no, I'm saying like his kid. Oh, yeah, my dad got his fucking head cut off by a helicopter during a 
during a movie. That would be one of those. It, like that would be something that I would bury deep inside, and like no one would ever know. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would never bust that out of the camp <laughs> at a campfire, or that would be the only person that would know about that would be a therapist that I'm going to see because my dad got his head cut off on the set of a movie. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, the actress, that's her father also. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. I got him from time to time. All right. The Eric Stoltz Award for the performer that you would recast. Uh, you, I'm sure, Jason, you know that Eric Stoltz was originally Marty McFly. And they didn't think yeah. he could cut the mustard, so they got rid of him for Michael J. Fox. And that turned out to be better for everybody. So uh, I don't really have anybody for this. No, I I searched for cause the the best part about this whole movie anyway is that the kids are not actors, you know they're and they're not out there to I mean they were actors but they're not out there to they're out there to play more realistic like kids that are just out there playing ball and cussing and like you know we all did when we were that age. So, yeah, I can't I, say that I didn't do that. I mean, it would <laughs> even if they did recast anybody, it would be the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's not anybody I would recast. Uh, Jason, do you have anybody? No, I mean, I kept struggling with who who it would be, and I mean, anytime I come up with someone, it was like, how could you replace mm-hmm. what what they did in the movie? And, I just don't see there there would be anything that would be better than what we got. Right, yeah. That, that's kind of how I feel, too. So, yeah, there's nobody for this award. Sorry for all you Eric Stoltz Award winner fans. We don't have anybody this week. <laughs> that's uh, a good thing, though. That means yeah. that this movie was casted Cast. excellently. That's right. Uh, new category we introduced on the Forrest Gump episode last week, the unsolved mysteries of the movie. These are the questions that get don't get answered that kind of leave you wondering what happens. Join me. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. Um, I have two. Um, how many DUIs does Better Maker have? Man, I, I wonder, did they have the three strikes rule in California at that time? Because that know. motherfucker would be in prison forever. <laughs> I mean, he's always, he always carries a cooler of beer with him. He seemingly keeps a bottle of liquor in the glove box. And then the fact that he doesn't get busted with the kids, like all of them crammed into that shitbox car of his while he's drinking, like, <laughs> and a busted windshield. Like, yeah. I, would, I would imagine he has at least two. I think he's got two. I'm going to think it's it's going to be one of those ones that if he gets busted, it's going to be in the paper. Where a man has like 76 DUIs <laughs> and still has magically has a license. Yeah, I can see that too. <laughs> yeah, he's he's rolling around on one of those special license plates where you know. The party plates. Guy, plates. Yeah, the party plates. You know that guy's been busted quite a few times. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are in agreement that he's got at least a couple. Yeah. At least a couple. And uh, the second one that I have is, uh, did Roy Turner's wife divorce him after the movie? Um, My question is, how did Roy Turner land her? Yeah. Because when she's walking away with her kid, it looks like them fucking pants are painted on. Yeah, she was something. (laughs) 
say that. <laughs> ooh, ooh, no. I believe that uh, that is the uh, the early days of what they call now MILF. Correct. But uh, yeah, do you think that she kicked him to the curb after this? I hope so. Or she let it slide. Oh. Well, I mean, it's the seventies, so she probably let it slide, but mm-hmm. she should have divorced him. Yeah. I think she sticks with him because that just seemed to be not as frowned upon as it is now. What do you think? Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any uh, questions that you need answered? Sure. Uh, how? How? Uh, at what age was Engelberg diagnosed with diabetes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, the kid was running laps in the outfield, hopped the fence, pulled a candy bar out of his pants pocket and didn't even take the thing out of the wrapper he just bit right into it yeah he's got some kind of digestive issues at least i mean eating foil and you know back then too like stuff wasn't made like with the same well i guess it depends on what documentary you watch but yeah like i would imagine the standards today are a little bit more stringent than they were in the 70s it's like oh fuck it that's got that's got lead in it fuck it Uh, do you think uh, he actually got a Harley Davidson when he got older? Who, Kelly League? Kelly, yeah. I don't know. I never really thought about what happens to the kids later on. I just always pictured him. I mean, if you follow Jackie Earl Haley's uh, career uh, trajectory, he doesn't do anything after the Bad News Bears, and then he becomes a, a pedophile in Little Children, and then he becomes Warshak in The Watchmen. So maybe that's what happens to Kelly Leak. I don't know. I imagine there's probably a prison sentence in there somewhere. I'm sure. He's probably <laughs> he's probably robbed at least a convenience store. Yeah. That's the only question I have. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, if you guys got any uh, questions about this movie that you couldn't figure out, shoot us an email or hit us up on the old socials. We'll try to answer them as best we can for you. Um, the last award is the I'm the King of the World Award for who wins the movie for you. I'm the King of the World! So, Lucas, who wins this movie for you? Uh, Walter Matthau wins mm-hmm. this movie for me. Okay. Uh, just because with the way his face looks and the the way that, like, you know, his appearance in this whole thing, you believe that he's a, a drunk asshole former baseball player who drinks way too much and you know, after this, I've, this was kind of like, I, I always think of him in like grumpy and grumpier old men mm-hmm. when I think of him. And I just think that he's just, this role was made for him. Yeah. Trying to imagine someone else doing this just doesn't work for me. Right. Um, it's funny that he's prob- probably in his 50s, which isn't too much older than I am, but he looks like he would be my grandfather in this movie. He looks like he's been through some yeah, shit. Yeah, he's, he's seen some shit. Yeah. Um, Jason, who wins it for you? Uh, yeah, it's Walter Matthau. Um, perfect person to play this role. Uh, can't. Yeah, I I mean, I know they, they had Billy Bob Thornton do the updated. And I mean, yeah, that might have been a good pick, but when you're going up against Walter Matthau, there's, there's only one Morris Buttermaker. Yeah. And 
yeah, it's it's Walter Matthau. Yeah, Billy perfect. Bob Thornton. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton does seem like an equal train wreck. Oh, yeah. he's like when they cast him, like he was the only actor that I could see possibly pulling that off. Yeah. Like when they, they oh, Billy Bob's going to be like the new buttermaker. I'm like, okay, I can see that. It's not like they got like fucking Matt Damon, like Matt Damon. Uh, <laughs> Matt Damon. Um, yeah, like Walter Matthau for me too. You guys pretty much touched on it. Like you can't really see anybody else, especially after you hear about who they considered to play him at first and he was the third yeah. choice. Um, I also think that uh, the Buttermaker character is kind of the birth of like uh, – I think Mathal had like his career peak was probably in the sixties and the seventies. We did like the odd couple, the Neil Simon stuff where he was like being nominated for Oscars. And he kind of, kind of got a little quiet for a while. Then he kind of had that resurgence back in the nineties. He was in Dennis the menace. He was in grumpy and grumpier old men became an established name again. And I think Buttermaker's kind of a forerunner for those characters that he plays in the nineties. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's pretty much that in Dennis the Menace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. Well, yeah. even in Grumpy and Grumpier Old Men, he's just like a grump. He's just some old old man who just seems to not get too much enjoyment out of anything. Yeah. And that's kind of how he is in this, too. So I would give it to him, too. Damn, Jason, you actually, Lucas and I agreed on a bunch of stuff tonight. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. I, I don't All know. Right. If, you played like uh, the moral referee here. Yeah. It's either that or we're just trying to be on our best behavior since we got a new guest. <laughs> we want you to Fair come enough. back at some point. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, do you, either one of you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I, you know, I always tell people if you, if you want a good kids baseball movie, I, you know, People want to argue with me the Sandlot. I love the Sandlot, but just if you want something authentic, it's the Bad News Bears. Mm-hmm. So can't go wrong with this movie. I mean, there's some things in there you're probably going to be kind of shocked to hear. But oh, trust me, uh, my son was, but <laughs> but I mean, it stands up against you know, the test of time. And I mean, it's still one of my all time favorite movies mm-hmm. and one that I'll watch every single year. Mm-hmm. Lucas. Yeah. I, anybody that listens to this knows that when I talk about, um, characters, I want to see authenticity. And it's just like Jason touched on this, you know, reading about how they were casting this, they wanted it to be, they didn't want it to be like everybody's a perfect player and, you know, life is perfect and they don't cuss and they're not discussing all this other shit when they're kids. You know, they want it to be authentic. And I think that is what makes this movie this movie. You know, the it feels like you're watching somebody who's a train wreck alcoholic coaching a bunch of asshole kids that, you know, eventually make something of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I am, too. Just like this really captures how like, and I don't think any baseball movie, like at least with kids has really captured how youth sports really is more than this one. 
And yeah, and and like the chance when the teams are trying to be encouraging, but they're kind of disparaging. Mm. That shit still happens too. Yeah, and I really wish that filmmakers now, when they're making sports movies, they they take a gamble every great once in a while and like let the kids or just the teams in general lose. Because I mean, <clears throat> realistically, you're just wanting to like anymore. When I watch a sports movie, anything that's new. I'm just waiting to see how authentic the sequence is. Like, all right, if the, uh, they're playing. I, I guess Miracle would be the exception of the rule because you know how that ends well before the movie. But, like, like anything new, you, you automatically know what's going to happen. You already know that whoever is the star of the movie, their team's going to win. Yeah. And I really wish that filmmakers would take a chance and not have it always end in such a happy ending. You know, yeah, yeah, because life's not always sunshine and rainbows. Right. Sometimes there's unhappy endings. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to wa- my son to watch that because I wanted him to know that like you're not always gonna win, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. So, all right. Well, Jason, it was a pleasure having you on. I hope that uh, you come on again at some point. We. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yeah, we have a, a rotating uh, uh, lazy Susan of guests. I think that's what that thing is called in the kitchen. But uh, It is. Yeah, I have one. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, Lucas. Lucas is our lazy Susan aficionado. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, we'll have to have you back on sometime, man. It was fun. I had a good time and can't wait to do it again. All right. And that wraps up another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Lucas, what do we got going on next uh, Monday? Well, my friend, let me tell you, we got Iron Man. Oh. The beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy episode seems to be our most popular episode, so we're going to dive into where it all begins. So that ought to be a good one. So uh, until next Monday, we will see you guys later. Deuces.